Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. How are you all? I've missed you. I've been away for a few weeks because I've been busy moving my family over to Bali, which is a little island in Indonesia. We're now living here in the sunshine, learning about temples and offerings and gods and goddesses, visiting waterfalls and water slides, and working out how to say things in Bahasa, which is the language spoken all over Indonesia. Here are some things I've learned. To say good morning, you say Salamet Pagi. And here are two easy ones. Apple is apple and Jeruk is orange. So all that has been keeping me busy, but now I'm back. I've got a paper book of my book, Everything Under the Sun, coming out in the UK on September the 27th. That is pretty soon, so I hope you'll all buy it. It's really lovely. It's like the hardback, but it's smaller, got a soft cover, and it's really easy for you to carry around or pop in your school bag to show your friends. Or you can give it to your friends for their birthday. Makes a lovely present. You can find it in all great bookshops. Just ask the bookshop if you can't see it and they can order you a copy. Or you can find it online at Amazon. Just Google everything under the sun, book Molly Oldfield and you'll find it. Now on with our first question. Our first question this week is a very interesting one that comes from the children at the Chess Club at Great Chew School in England. Over to them. Well, thank you, Great Chew School Chess Club. When was the first game of chess played? That is a wonderful question. Well, my son was in that chess club and he loves to play chess. He has joined a chess club here in Bali and his teacher is from Peru. If my son can't find someone to play with, he likes to play on an app called chesskid.com where you can play kids from all over the world and learn from professionals. Now his favourite teacher on this app is Fun Master Mike. So I'm super happy Mike agreed to answer Chess Club's question. Over to Mike. Hi there, Chess Kids. This is Fide Master Mike Klein, but the kids know me as Fun Master Mike on Chess Kid. And today, we've got kind of a simple question, but I have to give you a complicated answer. When was the first game of chess ever played? Well, I was there for it. That's a joke. Uh, Chess was invented, or at least the basics of chess was invented, about 1,500 years ago. There's almost nothing that we did 1,500 years ago that we still do today, but chess is one of those games. However, that's the short answer. Now comes the long one. Chess came from an area of the world known as Persia, kind of like modern-day India and Afghanistan and Pakistan and that sort of region. However, it wasn't called chess back then. It was called Shataranga. And the game had to evolve as it was moved across the world. So after Persia, it went to the Middle East, then it went to North Africa, and then there were these people called the Moors that brought the game to Southern Europe around the year 1000. No, I still wasn't around then. And we think that there was a queen that controlled Spain and she required the rules of chess to change. The queen used to be a very slow piece, 
but she required that the queen become the most powerful piece. And that wasn't the last rule change. The last rule change in chess did not happen until the mid-1500s when we invented that crazy complicated rule called en passant. And that is the last major rule change of chess about 450 years ago. And really, you can't play chess, at least not today's chess, without all the rules. So I guess I'd say in the mid-1500s is when the game of chess that we know now was invented. However, if you ask anybody from India, they're going to say they invented it 1,500 years ago. Thanks so much, Mike, for your amazing answer. How incredible that chess is such an old game and it travelled so far across the world and is still being played in so many countries. I love that a queen made sure the queen was a much more important piece in chess. The queen is my favourite piece on the board. What is yours? Chess is a brilliant game to play because wherever you are, no matter what language you speak, you can play with kids from any country, so long as you both know the rules of chess. Now, there are lots of types of chess set, including a Harry Potter chess set, a Lego set, and my son is thinking about designing his own underwater theme set, where the king is a blue whale, the queen is a whale shark, and knights are seahorses. The other pieces are octopus, stingrays, and of course, the pawns are prawns. If you could design your own chess set, what would it look like? I've loved hearing the story of the invention of chess. I hope that answers your question, Great Chew Chess Club, and thank you for sending it to me. And thank you, Fun Master Mike from ChessKid.com for the answer. And now for our second question about the origin of a quite interesting object that I bet many of you have at home. It comes from Nora. Over to Nora. Hello, my name's Nora. I'm six years old. I live in England. My question is, why are piggy banks shaped like pigs? Thank you, Nora, for that great question. Well, I suppose the question here is what came first, the name or the shape? Are piggy banks shaped like pigs because they're called piggy, or are they called piggy banks because they look like pigs? Well, actually, nobody knows. But one possibility is that it all came from the word for the type of clay that was used to make piggy banks, which is pug. You say it pug, but it's spelt P-Y-G-G. Back in the days when people used coins instead of cash and even instead of having all their money on a credit card or their phone, they needed a place to store their coins. If you left all your coins lying about, you might lose them or somebody might steal them. So people started putting their coins into special containers to keep them safe. And some of these were made out of a clay called pug. People would shape the clay into different forms like jars or pots to hold the coins. And the jars, like many of today's piggy banks, were closed off apart from a slit at the top for the coins to go into. To get the coins, you had to smash the jar open. But nobody wants to smash a nice, expensive piece of pottery. So that's why pug was used, because it's really cheap. Over time, these clay containers were called pug jars. And as time went on, the pronunciation of pug changed and they began to sound like pig. So when people heard the term pug jar or pig jar, they thought it meant a jar in the shape of a pig. Or perhaps someone thought it'd be funny to make a pig jar in the shape of a pig and it stuck. 
not everyone agrees on this version of history. Another possibility is that these money boxes' smooth round shapes look like a pig's body, so they were called pig and shaped into pig bodies. In China, a pig is considered a symbol of wealth, abundance and good fortune. The piggy bank's association with pigs could be traced back to this symbolism since they're used for keeping money. In Chinese tradition, saving money in a pig-shaped container is supposed to bring prosperity and luck. And maybe this pig-shaped containers for saving coins spread around to different parts of the world. Now, interestingly, the oldest known piggy bank in the shape of a pig comes from Indonesia, where I am. But it's not on the island I'm living on, Bali. It's on an island called Java. This particular special object is a clay pig-shaped piggy bank that dates back to the 14th century. It's known as the Marja Pahit Piggy Bank and is in the National Museum of Indonesia. Lots of similar piggy banks have been found in lots of sizes, so they must have been really popular in Java back in the 14th century. There are a few others in the museum too. Although it's not actually a real piggy, it's a Javanese boar, which in Java is called a selang. It's a small little creature with black skin and it's a cousin of the wild boar in Europe, which asterix hunted. So there you go, loads of possible reasons why piggy banks are shaped like pigs. But even though we don't know the exact origin, the piggy bank's association with pigs has survived throughout history. I guess you could choose whichever story you like best, Nora, or just say, well, there are loads of reasons why piggy banks are shaped like pigs. But it's pretty cool to say that the oldest known piggy bank is from the 14th century in Java. I hope that answers your question, Nora, and thank you for sending it in. Now we've learned about the origins of piggy banks and the origins of chess, we're going to move on to a different animal that has the same colours as a chessboard. It's black and white, it can swim and waddle about on the land. What animal do you think we're talking about? Yep, a penguin. The question comes from Joss. Over to Joss. Hello, my name is Joss and I live in Surrey and I'm eight. My question is, why are penguins black when that makes them not camouflage? Thank you. Well, that's such a good question, Joss. It doesn't really make sense with their white tummies that penguins are black when most of them live in Antarctica. Well, the short answer is penguins aren't trying to camouflage on ice. They're trying to be camouflaged in the water. Penguins have black backs and white fronts, and this means that when they're swimming face down in the water, they're quite well camouflaged. If you're a predator swimming above a penguin, you see its black back, which blends into the dark water beneath. And if you're a predator swimming below a penguin, you see its white belly, which blends into the sunny water above. So you might not really notice that penguin, and you won't try to eat it. Genius! Well, what about when a penguin is on land? Well, most of the penguin's predators are in the water. They're creatures like killer whales, seals and sharks, which all live in water. Penguins have a few land predators like foxes or even some birds of prey, but they're much more at risk of getting attacked in the water. So it makes sense for them to blend into the water rather than the ice. And also, penguins spend loads of time in the water. Why do you think that is? 
Well, penguins go into the water to find food. Penguins feed on krill, fish, squid, and other things that live in the sea. They catch them with their bills and swallow them whole while swimming. Did you know a penguin has a spiny tongue and powerful jaws to grip slippery prey? The black and white might also be important for other reasons. Black absorbs sunlight and white reflects it. So being two-toned might be able to help penguins regulate their temperature when they're too hot or too cold. They can turn their back to the sun when they're cold to absorb the sunlight and they can turn their bellies to it when they're warm to reflect its rays. That is very clever. Another reason penguins might have black feathers is that these feathers are very strong and can help protect them from scratches and cuts. So the black feathers are a bit like having some armour on their backs. So there we go. Although having black backs might make them stand out against the eyes, penguins' black and white bodies do a lot to protect them. I wonder if there's ever been a checkerboarded penguin. Probably not. I'm sure you can make a penguin bank for your pennies, though, instead of a piggy bank or a wild boar from Java Bank. I hope that answers your question, Joss, and thank you for sending it in. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to the amazing chess master Mike Klein, otherwise known as Fun Master Mike, for explaining the origins of chess to us. Also, a big thank you to Great Chew Primary School's Chess Club, to Nora and to Joss for this week's questions. And remember, if you have a question you would like answered on Everything Under the Sun, just record it on a grown-up's phone. Say your name, your age, a bit about yourself and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. You can check out the show's website, everythingunderthesun.co.uk for more info. Make sure you get yourself a copy of my paperback version of the beautiful Everything Under the Sun book. It's filled with all your questions, illustrated by 12 beautiful artists, with quotes from Neil Gaiman, Sophie Dahl, Pandora Sykes, The Guardian, Waterstones and The Scottish Sun. It's really, really lovely and it's available online or in your nearest beautiful bookshop. Just ask them if you can't see it. Wishing you all a wonderful week filled with lots of games, some pennies maybe, and maybe even swimming around like a penguin. Splash! I'll be back next week answering more curious questions from children around the world in another episode of Everything Under the Sun. Thank you and goodbye!